Right. Well, we only have a few people here today because we're dealing with COVID-19, and hopefully uh, thousands will get to hear this message by God's grace. Uh, But if I'm only allowed to have a few people here, uh, there's only two people actually in besides uh, one of our many gyms, James Evans, doing sound back there, and I'm Tom Witt upstairs. We only have a couple gals. Usually it's like, uh-oh, we don't want to go beyond seven. So, uh, but we have two gals here. That's it. Besides, you know, the essential workers, and they're essential to me as well. And one is my mom. So happy Mother's Day. It's so befitting. And you look much better after that fall. You look great. You are a trooper. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you a lot. And another dear mother in my life is my lovely wife, Lisa, as well. And uh, you look great. Praise God. And I'm grateful for both of you. So I love you very much. Uh, a lot of women that I know that I'm close to are fantastic mothers. I think of all three of my sisters, you know, and, and all so many uh, of just so many women in our fellowship that our mothers are absolutely amazing moms through the years and, and right now as well. And, and But this message isn't just for mothers, although I've, I was crying out to the Lord off and on, Lord, put something heavy on my heart that's just going to really encourage the women, and especially the mothers. But then it was, Lord, I want to encourage all the women. You know, I, it's sad when it's Mother's Day and those who aren't mothers, you know, sometimes don't show up or they don't pay. It's because these messages, I try to make them in such a way that they'll encourage all women uh, because all women of God, who are truly of God, are mothers in some way. Paul was never a physical father as far as we know it, but he was a father in the faith, you know? And he instructed other fathers how to be fathers in the faith, you know? And how to be earthly fathers as well. And so, but uh, my prayer, my cry to the Lord was that there would be a message, I'd have a message that wouldn't be as instructive, although there'll be application and some instruction here for sure, but would be more encouraging this Mother's Day. So many mothers are locked in because of COVID-19 and so forth, and we're not supposed to go too far from our homes. Uh, sometimes the laws are a little bit confusing, but, you know, they're in place, and, and a lot of mothers have lost their jobs, but if you're a mother and you have children, you have a great job, and many mothers are doing their job more than ever because their kids are with them and they're homeschooling maybe for the first time or what have you. But I, pr- I cried out to the Lord that this would be a message that would be very encouraging. And you know what? I was very encouraged as I, as I began to continue to seek the Lord on it and uh, things continued to come to my heart as I searched the scriptures, as I searched his heart. And I'm on, I want to encourage you right now. If you are a mother or if you are not a mother, if you're a mother, I encourage you to take notes or note this message and get back to it. Because in this message, it's literally entitled, Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Uh, and this, would, this is going to be very, very helpful for you as to what it means to become a woman of excellence. That should be your prime, your, your, your major goal in life should be glorifying God be, by being a woman of excellence, amen? But mothers, I would have you take notes so your daughters understand how to become women of excellence. I would take notes personally if I was a woman, just bec- if I wasn't a mother because I want to know how to be a woman of excellence if I'm a woman, amen? I would actually steal my notes, so to speak. It's all God's words, it's God's truth, 
I would take these notes, many of them, whatever hits your heart the most, and I would have, a woman, I would have women's Bible studies with this particular message. Because this message is key to understanding, a huge key to understanding how to become a woman of excellence with regard to the big picture, okay? Redemption, salvation, eternal life, and practically speaking, what it means to be a woman of excellence. And, uh, but even as a man, because we as men are part of, as, part, as Christians, we're part of the bride of Christ, part of the bride of Christ, part of his body, the two shall become one flesh. We are one with him spiritually and we all are to be the bride of excellence, so to speak. And this relates to men and everyone. So I hope uh, as we get into the treasures of God's word that he speaks to you radically through this message. Uh, I'm going to have to stick very close to my notes. I'll probably look down more than normal because I can't go too far astray from my notes because I have, again, almost 20 pages, but they will, I'll be done in time. And it's going to really hopefully impact you in a very, very encouraging way. Now, it's interesting because we first meet up, I shouldn't say first, but, well, we meet up with that special term, woman of excellence, or wife of excellence, or woman of virtue, as the King James has it. We meet up with that in Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, we read about the Proverbs 31 woman. And when you look at this woman, it's like, you know, the whole thing about, you know, was it Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman is not a wonderful woman. In fact, the actress that played Wonder Woman, it's all based on the occult. And the actress that played Wonder Woman, a Jewish gal, a beautiful gal, outwardly, but inwardly, She's bereft, she's spiritually bankrupt. She got a bunch of different artists together and sang, uh, you know, Imagine by John Lennon uh, during COVID-19. Oh, how beautiful seeing Imagine with all these different artists, you know, uh, not even artists, a lot of actors, actresses, people, uh, a lot of them tone deaf. It was kind of, in fact, you know what, there were, there were multiple times thumbs downs over thumbs up by, even, by, you know, people that aren't even Christians when you looked at the YouTube thing because... During COVID-19, when people want hope, when people are losing their grandmothers, you know, and grandfathers, they're singing, imagine there's no heaven, you know, you know, and I mean, how sick is that, you know, and uh, pathetic, and that is not a woman of virtue, that's a woman with no hope, with no future in her mind, who needs Jesus, pray for them, you know, they need Christ, but you want to talk about a truly wonderful woman, you want to talk about the real wonder women in the world, read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. In fact, it's the ideal woman. In fact, it's almost like, and keep in mind, women, when you read this, this is not like there's a bunch of women like this walking around all over the place in perfection. This is like us, the rest of us, men and women, reading about Christ and who he is, right? It's what we aspire to be like, Amen. In fact, many commentators understand the Proverbs 31 women to be a composite of all types of different wonderful women that are ideal before the Lord. Beautiful picture of the bride of Christ. So, but it's still very, very instructive. So when we read about the Proverbs 31 woman, verse 10 says, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in this particular text because he says, an excellent wife who can find and this is like, how do you find this excellent wife? You know, who is she? And guess what? I found in scripture, we can find in scripture, 
someone who did find this excellent wife. And how when you read Proverbs 31, the ideal wife, the ideal woman there is just so mind-blowing. It's like, what in the world? This is like perfection. In fact, men read it and say, where? You know, women read it and say, how? But you know what? We know where and we know how. And we know how each and every woman can choose to become the woman of excellence and become the Proverbs 31 woman. I'm, I'm telling you, based on the Holy Scripture, not as difficult as you might think. But when you read it, you're, it's like, wow, this is lofty attainment to actually become this woman. But we'll see the steps that are taken and how the Lord does this. An excellent wife, verse 10 of Proverbs 31, who can find for her worth is far above jewels. I mean, the jewels that people aspire for, her worth is far above these jewels. Her heart, uh, the heart of her husband's trust in her. She's a trustworthy, faithful wife. And he will have no lack of gain. You know, she is, and we think of the husband as supplying. Well, she supplies a lot of need as well, obviously. This is not your typical chauvinistic view of a woman. This is a biblical view. And women, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. Yes, we have different roles, but we're all created in God's image. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's a blessing. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She knows how to shop. She knows how to do things, put things together. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She knows how to shop. Amen. Uh, she raises, she rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She is industrious. She's a hard worker. She considers the field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So she's a real estate agent, <coughs> excuse me, and she is also a gardener in the horticulture. She girds herself. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She works out. You know, uh, uh, maybe she goes to the gym, so to speak. She makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night, meaning she's incredibly diligent and a hard worker. And perhaps she's at night studying the scripture because we see that she's a wise woman who fears the Lord. Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. Okay, she's like a seamstress. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She's compassionate. She cares for those who are without and she seeks to help them. She is not afraid of the snow uh, for her household. On, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She takes care of her children. She takes care of her family and she's not fearful. She's not afraid. She's brave. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is like is fine linen and purple. Like I said, she's like a seamstress as well. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. <clears throat> Excuse me. Her husband is known in the gates. Part of that's because of her. As you'll see, they, they talk about her at the gates. What an incredible wife you have. In fact, it's interesting when her, her husband is known in the gates, verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. She's an entrepreneur. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She knows that the Lord holds the future and she's walking with him and she has peace and smiles at the future, even though others' hearts melt with fear. She opens her mouth in wisdom. You see, she speaks according to the word of God. 
And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She's a teacher, and she teaches about God's grace and mercy and love, his kindness. She looks, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not a couch potato, you know, watching smutty stuff on television. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Wow. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Wow. This woman fears the Lord. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she's to be praised and she's being praised here because she fears the Lord. She puts the Lord first. And when you put the Lord first, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything falls into place. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates meaning she should get the credit for the wonderful woman that she is. Amen? And I praise God this Mother's Day that I'm able to celebrate uh, two mothers, several, all you mothers I celebrate. Two happen to be with us, as I mentioned earlier, my own mom and my wife, who uh, uh, reflect this proverb in many, many ways. And if you look at the women in our fellowship, I can see aspects of this, this, this picture in all of their lives to one degree or another. And we're all seeking to be what the Lord has called us to be. So the NASB says, an excellent wife, who can find? Her price is far better than jewels or rubies. The King James says, who can find a virtuous woman? The, the Hebrew virtuous woman is from the Hebrew is Ashet Kayel. Okay, now Ashet Kayel can be translated different ways. Proverbs 31, 10 in the LEB translation says, a woman of excellence, who will find for her worth is far more than precious jewels. The message is how to become or becoming a woman of excellence. Okay? And many of you women, if you already know Jesus, are well on your way. And it's amazing because who can find this woman of excellence? Who can find her? Well, guess what? That term, Ashet Kael, woman of excellence, in Hebrew, in Proverbs 31, is found elsewhere in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. And a man found her. And his name is Boaz. And he found a woman by the name of Ruth. And when you look at Ruth and how he found her, you would say, how is she a woman of excellence? You know, she's a beggar. She's waiting for the food to fall off of his trees and scrounging it just so she can exist, you know. And how is she a woman of excellence? And, and how does he, this rich man who owns this huge field, has all these people working for him, how does he see her as a woman of excellence? How is she the Proverbs 31 woman? She is the Proverbs 31 woman in embryo. And guess what? I love this because you could draw a line from Proverbs 31 to Ruth. And every woman, when they sag and sink, and they're like, oh no, how could I become that? I'm not Proverbs 31. How do I don't do all those different things perfectly? Well, you won't be perfect until Jesus comes. But guess what? The Bible says in the book of Job, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Amen. Even the faith of a mustard seed, Jesus praises. Amen. And this woman, Ruth, had the smallest of beginnings because she was a Moabitess. She was a woman whose people were excluded from the temple and the temple service because of the being radical enemies, Gentile enemies of God's people specifically spoken of for generations after generations that they wouldn't be part of God's people. Yet, she somehow is brought in. She's a Gentile. 
She's a picture of the bride of Christ. Boaz is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. I did a teaching a couple of Wednesdays ago where I talked about uh, Naomi quite a bit. I don't want to talk about Naomi so much now. I want to talk about Ruth a little bit and how you, Ruth, is a picture of you. And Boaz is a picture of Christ. And Boaz sees in her a woman of excellence when she's absolutely poor, destitute, has nothing, and is basically classified with the beggars. Wow. What's going on here? And I don't have time to go through the whole story, otherwise this would be over 20 pages of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, but I have enough time to get into the stuff that I really want to focus on to show us how women are to be and can become women of excellence. And again, I would write a lot of these scriptures down. I would share them with my daughters as, I mean, I've shared a lot of these truths with my children growing up. And I continue to share them with, I've, I've sh every time I teach, I'm able to share with my family, you know, because uh, we're all obviously part of this fellowship. But on a personal level, I've always emphasized the importance of being a godly young man or young ladies for my daughters, young man for my son. Now, it's interesting because know this much about the story, okay? And I, if you want to check out a message I gave a couple weeks ago uh, when I talk about this a little bit in the confines of another message, it's quite interesting, though, is that Ruth and her husband and her two sons leave the land of Judah. That's where Jesus was from, right? They leave Bethlehem where Jesus was born. That's where they were. This is all connected to Jesus and the story of redemption. And they leave and they go to down south. They go to, because uh, there's a famine. And during the famine, guess what? Naomi loses her husband. He dies after they've been gone for several years. And then guess what? The two, her two sons who married two different women, both of her sons die. Now she has two daughter-in-laws who are pagans. They married pagan women. And she tells them to go off and, you know, so forth. And, and one goes off to worship her gods, but Ruth says, no, I'm not leaving. I'm staying with you, Naomi. And your God is going to be my God, this Gentile Moabite. Ooh, that's the first choice in becoming a woman of excellence. See where this is going? You see, this Proverbs 31 woman just didn't come out of her room one day, and boom, she was a woman of excellence. Don't despise the you know, day of small beginnings. It starts with choices that are made, amen? And it's interesting. We'll get back to that in a minute. But Naomi, you complained because she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. You know, remember the waters of Mara, the bitter waters, they threw the tree in, it's the picture of the cross of Christ to make them sweet. She's Mara, she's bitter. But Ruth is like, I'm gonna follow your God. I'm gonna stick to you. And she does. And she goes back with her to Judah and to Bethlehem. But guess what? They are stinking poor. You've heard about the stinking rich? Okay? You think poor people, they don't smell because they don't have a lot of clothes, they don't, they can't, you know, they don't have all the resources. And, and, but the stinking rich, by the way, the stinking rich, that term came from people, rich people getting buried underground in the churches they went to. Talk about favoritism. Oh, well, that guy gave a lot of money. We're going to bury you right under. So you'd kind of feel holy. And then as they began to rot, their stench would come up and you'd be smelling the stinking rich. That's just sick. What a picture of what favoritism does. But guess what? Ruth is the opposite. Naomi's opposite. They've lost their husbands. When you were a widow without children in those days, remember the widow of Nain later in Jesus' days? 
You were in a horrific state. But God took care of you because he put in his Levitical law that a welfare provision that for widows and people who didn't have the means to gather food, that they can glean the food that fell down off the plants, off the trees in the fields of those who were farmers. And they could pick up that food in baskets and what they could carry, they could take home and eat. So God had provisions there and Ruth ended up in this state. But it's quite interesting. We, we read in verse 11 of chapter three. So what happens is, is Naomi's a wise woman. There is a special law, another provision for somebody that might end up poor and destitute if they had lost their husband. The Lord is gracious. And all this figures into the gospel of Jesus Christ because God in his unfathomable, incredible, mind-blowing wisdom has this law of the kinsman redeemer, which if you follow this, you'll be blown away. You don't want to miss it. This kinsman redeemer Law is a picture of Christ and what he became to us in our destitute state, right? So it's interesting. Uh, Naomi points to Boaz and she says to Ruth, you have a near relative, a kinsman redeemer of sorts. And the law of the kinsman redeemer is if a woman was made a widow because her husband died, this is just one of the wonderful ways it worked. The next kin of kin to that brother. In fact, if he had a brother, the next brother to him, closest to him, would what? He'd be obligated to marry her and make him her wife, his wife, and then take care of her and provide for her. It was a beautiful way of not leaving someone destitute and giving provision. So Ruth is told by Naomi, you know what? There is a kinsman redeemer, Boaz. Boaz had this rich, this wonderful field, a bunch of workers. He was well-to-do, a man of wealth. You could go to him and let him know that he's, to be, he's obligated to be your kinsman redeemer. I love this story, man, because there's so many beautiful things in there. And it's, a love, it's the most rad, one of the most radical love stories you'll ever read. I did a 13-part series for uh, Cross TV. And uh, they flew out to my house from Florida. They were broadcasting in a production company at the time. I'm not sure what they're doing right now. And they said, we want you to do 13 messages on whatever you want to preach on, you know. And, and I was preaching through a series, uh, Divine Wedding Portraits of Christ in the Old Testament. And this was one of them. And I was, you know what? I would love to show all these pictures of Christ and his bride in the Old Testament. And not this particular message because I didn't talk about the woman of excellence and all that, but this story of this, re- this, this redemption that happened through uh, the kinsman redeemer. Now, it's interesting when you think about it. She goes to him and guess what? I don't know if Naomi knew this, but I have kind of an inkling that she probably did. He wasn't the nearest of the kinsman redeemers. There was someone closer, more relatable, related to her husband than this guy. He was another step away than another fella. But guess what? For she focused on him. Probably because his name, by the way, means Boaz means pillar, okay? He was a man of integrity, of righteousness, and wealth he could provide. And who knows about the other guy? She bypassed him and said, go to Boaz. By the way, Ruth is a picture of the bride of Christ, us, right? Naomi points her to her destitute state that she's impoverished and she needs a redeemer and points to Boaz, amen? That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. That's what we call prevenient grace or 
the grace that comes before salvation. God's Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, right? And points us to Jesus, amen? So I just think that's really interesting. I love prevenient grace. I see it everywhere throughout scripture. So it's interesting. She goes to Boaz. And he's not working. She goes to him when he's not working. He's lying down, you know, the fields and so forth. And she lies down or she lays next to him, uh, not putting the cover over herself, but letting her know, you're my kinsman redeemer. You know what he says? Listen, verse 11 of chapter three. He says, now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Isn't that interesting? She's a beggar. How do people feel about beggars? But keep in mind, a woman of excellence is known in the gates, remember? She shall be praised. And kind of, we kind of think that she's praised when she's a finished product, like Proverbs 31 woman, right? They're praising her because look at all these things she's done. This woman is being praised in the gates when she's a beggar. Because guess what? She's made godly decisions, right? What was the first decision she made? As a Moabitess, instead of going to the false gods, she said, I want to serve the true God. I want to I put him first in my life. I want him to be my God. Amen? In fact, it says this in chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. Behold, uh, well, let me see. Okay, behold, your sister-in-law, this is what Naomi says to her because her sister-in-law was also destitute and became a widow as well, right? Both husbands died and Naomi's husband died. All three of them lost their husbands. And then she said, behold, your sister-in-law, that is Naomi says to Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you and turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And you know what? I love that because she cared a lot about her, not just mother, her mother-in-law, okay? She loved her and she honored, wanted to honor her. One of the commandments is to honor your mother, amen? So honor your father and your mother. And she wants to honor her. She wants to stay with her. She wants to be there. I will, and then she goes on, you, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. I want to be amongst your people and I want your God to be my God. That's how you begin to become a woman of excellence, choosing to follow the one true God. That would not be popular with the Moabites. But she wasn't looking, sticking her finger there, what would be popular? But what would be right? What would be politically correct? What would I be comfortable? Well, guess what? She wants to fear God and know him and realizes that's the most important choice to make. Because somehow Naomi in her sufferings, even though she was Mara, she became bitter. She saw that she was different. She saw that Yahweh had held her up some way and has some kind of plan, and that Naomi had some spark of faith, and Naomi figures heavily into the plan. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord, and she says, thus may the Lord, and she uses the name Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, Y-H-W-H, the Tetragrammaton. And she says, thus may the Yahweh do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Wow. That's how you begin to become a woman of excellence. And mothers, teach your children, if you want to be a woman of excellence in God's eyes, you need to put him first. You need to put him before everyone and anything else. You need to make sure you belong to him. Amen? So how, so how can you find a virtuous woman? First and foremost, does she fear? 
And does she love the Lord God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength? Now, it's interesting. Boaz, right, descended from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Boaz is in Bethlehem. Amen. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Boaz is a grandfather of King David. He's father of Jesse, grandfather of King David. And through Boaz, from Boaz to Jesse to King David, will descend from that specific line, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's fitting that this all happens this way because Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ who will redeem by purchase for himself some land and thereby acquire Ruth, his bride, this woman of excellence. Interesting. Now, as I mentioned, he owned this field and she was gleaning from the field. She'd go to Boaz's field, specifically out of all the fields to glean from it. It was part of Naomi's plan because he is a kinsman redeemer. Now, it's interesting because listen to what the, the, the law of Moses says. God gave this provision of the kinsman redeemer, right? So if someone was left destitute, they could be taken care of after the husband had died by his nearest of kin who would be able to redeem her. Listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 27, verse 8. Further, you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If she has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his, inheritance to his, his uh, father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his nearest relative. Nearest kin, nearest relative. In his own family, and he shall possess it, and it shall be a statutory ordinance to the sons of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Numbers 27, verses 8 through 11. Listen to Leviticus chapter 25, verses 23 through 25. The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are but aliens and sojourners with me. Thus, for every piece of your property, you are to provide for the redemption of the land. Listen, verse 25, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes poor, so poor that he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. So what's happened here is the land that would have been in Naomi's name, right? That would have belonged to her husband, that would have belonged to her, her sons. They're dead. It's gone. It's been sold. They have nothing. Naomi and Ruth come back, and not only are they, you know, have they lost husbands because of the famine and the trip they took, but now they're destitute. They don't even have the land that they had. But God's made a provision that a kinsman redeemer can purchase back the land. Interesting. Now, guess what? Boaz has to do two different things if he's going to be the kinsman redeemer. First and foremost, he has to be the next in line and willing, right? And obey God's law. Guess what? Ruth, well, guess what Boaz tells Ruth? He tells her, I'm not technically the nearest kinsman redeemer. There's another kinsman redeemer that's closer in line than me. And I would 
do it. But legally, this general, this one has to do it. But if he doesn't do it, Boaz would do it. But this man would have to obey the law of Moses to do it. He says, I must first go to him. Guess what? The first one declines. He says, I have too much going on already. You know, probably already married and stuff. This isn't going to work, whatever. And guess what? Boaz has to have the means to do it. Picture Jesus had the means to buy us. He has to want to do it. He did. He has to do what? He has to meet the demands of the law. Think about that. He has to meet the demands of the law of Moses to, to be this kinsman redeemer. And he has to follow that law. Amen? That's exactly what Boaz does. Guess what Jesus did? He was born under the law. And Jesus kept the law perfectly. Amen? Amen? He had to, Jesus followed the law. He had to keep the law and be sinless to be our kinsman redeemer. Amen? Think about that. He had to choose to. He had to want to. But also think about this. Before Jesus became Jesus Christ, the God-man, he was God. He wasn't our kin. He wasn't human. Amen? How could he become the kinsman redeemer? He had to become what? He had to become a man. Are you with me? And then he had to set his affection on us. He had to set his affection on a woman of excellence. He had to obey the law as the kinsman redeemer, amen? And in John 1, we know that it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was God. Same was the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and nothing that came to be came to be but by him. All things were made by him. Yet verse 14, a few verses later, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became a kinsman redeemer. Philippians chapter 2 talks about how he was in the very form of God and that he chose to become a man and die a death. And he says, even the death on the cross to get us. Wow. And Hebrews chapter 2 talks about how he became flesh like us. He became our kinsman redeemer. Hebrews 2.14 says that even as we, the children, right, share in flesh and blood, that's us, we, we have flesh and blood, that he partook of the same. In chapter 1, he's God. Chapter 2, he partakes of the same, the flesh. And it says that he might what? It says that so that through death he might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil, might render powerless, right? And set free those of us who had the fear of death. Remember he tells, Boaz tells her, don't fear. And set us free who were slavery to death all our lives. Ruth's life is ebbing away. Boaz steps in as her kinsman redeemer. All part of God's plan through Naomi. This was God's plan. It wasn't, Naomi didn't, it wasn't just like Naomi had this bright idea. God was using all of this to paint a picture of our redemption. A beautiful, glorious picture. Absolutely mind-blowing. As Boaz, the type of Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who comes to pay our debt. Amen. But guess what? If he's going to do it, he has to buy this field. Right? Does he need another field? Probably not. He's a rich man. He's got a bunch of stuff going. But Boaz realizes he's not going to claim Ruth. He's going to claim Ruth. But he has to buy a field to get his treasure. And we read in Ruth 4.4, the book of Ruth 4.4. So I thought to, and it's named after her, which is just great. So I thought to inform you, 
saying, and this is him going to the other kinsmen who, you know, wasn't able to do it. So I thought to inform you saying, buy it therefore, buy it before those who are sitting here. That means the elders at the gate and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am after you. And he said, I, and I, I will redeem it. Well, the first guy doesn't redeem it. Then we read a few verses later in verse 8 of Ruth chapter 4. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. That was symbolic of a covenant being made or a deal being made. Now, it's interesting. He wants Ruth as his bride. He has to buy the field, which he probably doesn't need, or he could have bought it a long time ago, a lot of fields, to get his bride. Now, it's interesting. He sees in her, as I've mentioned, this woman of excellence. And you know what? She's a woman of excellence because she chose the one true God over everybody else. She chose to love her mother-in-law. Amen? And she's a woman of excellence because she chose Boaz, who is a picture of who? Christ. And she herself is walking in accordance with God's word. Amen? Ruth chapter 3, verse 6. Listen to this. So she went down to the threshing floor. This is where they would do the threshing as they were harvesting the grain and so forth. And did according to all that her mother-in-law commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk of his heart, uh, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. He's going to lay down and go to bed, right? Go to sleep. And she, became, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative that the kinsman redeemer. Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by going, by check this out, by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Isn't that heavy? You could have just come here and just become freewheeling. You could have just gone out and partied and just sought young men or rich men or whoever. But he says that she is a woman of excellence in the very next verse. So it's in the context of her choosing and already having a reputation, as you re realize, before she does this as a woman of excellence because she chose to follow Yahweh. And now she's also seeking Boaz, amen? So she's smart, she's wise, she knows where the true riches are. And so we serve the one true God and we seek out Jesus, amen? because we are spiritually destitute as human beings under the penalty of sin, deserving damnation and judgment. And the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and says, you have a kinsman redeemer. And we go to Jesus. And by doing so, it's by his grace that the land will be purchased. It's by his grace that she will be redeemed. But the choice has to be made, right, by the believer to put their tr trust in him. This is all quite amazing. All quite beautiful all a picture of the kingdom of God, a picture of your redemption. It is. I have no doubt about it. Because listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like, tell us how the kingdom of heaven works. 
It's like a treasure hidden in the field. Wow. Which a man found and hid again. A man's going through a field. It's like, whew, there's a treasure. He finds it. It's like, and by the way, in the land of Canaan, or now the, prom, the promised land had become, right? There are all kinds of wars, all kinds of things that went through the centuries. There are all kinds of people burying their treasures in different places, you know? But you'd rarely find a treasure, but they're out there to be found. And a man goes through a field and he's like, huh, that's interesting. He sees it, finds a treasure, buries it again. Under the law, by the way, guess what? You could not, if you found a treasure in your master's field, you were not allowed to just take the treasure. If you took the treasure out, you had to give it to your master. But guess what? I should say under the Jewish customary law. But guess what this guy does? He goes, I'm going to buy the field. It's my field. This guy. And I'm going to get the treasure. So Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Who's that? That's not a picture of you and me. Some say, oh, that's a picture of us buying Christ. You can't buy your salvation. Amen. We're saved by grace through faith, out of ourselves, the gift of God, not a works that anyone should boast. You can't pay one cent toward your salvation. Amen. It's all a free gift. It's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of God. Which in another parable in chapter 13 of the tares and the wheat, he talks about the field is the world. Here, our God became a man and bought the field, the world, bought the whole world to get what? His treasure. Boaz bought the field. The grandfather of David. The great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus buys a field to get his treasure, Ruth, this woman of excellence in embryo. Jesus buys the field to get you. You are treasured. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Woman's Day. Happy whatever day, whoever you are, if you belong to Jesus. It's a happy day. Amen? Be encouraged. I don't care what's going on around you. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen? What a radical and beautiful truth. You are treasured. It's an awesome reality. Now, you say, well, I don't always feel so treasured. This COVID-19 thing's going on, and I've got this trouble with the job. You know, I've lost my job, or my husband's lost his job, or we're going through trials, or, you know, the kids are acting up, or, you know, this is going on, or that's going on, and can't pay the bills, and you're still treasured. doesn't change it. Change anything. Guess what? Was Ruth in dire straits? Absolutely. Was Boaz there to take care of her? Absolutely. Guess what? You have one far greater than Boaz to take care of you. You have the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe is your Boaz. And he will meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. And he's there for you. And he went to prepare a place for you that you could be with him forever. We are the bride of Christ. Are you with me? Ooh, we just still begun. Because guess what? Yeah, you are treasured, but guess what? The treasure has to be refined. Because Ruth, and this is what the, I believe the Lord just kept speaking to me as I was praying and seeking him. Wow, Ruth is this woman of excellence in embryo, and the Lord is going to make her into his treasure. 
She's making an excellent choice, but guess what? She is impoverished. She has nothing to offer. She isn't saving herself. He has to do all the saving, amen? But he's going to, re- he's going to make her into his poema, you know, into his workmanship, into his craftsmanship, and transform her. And it's interesting because the very next verses, right after we read in verse 44, well, we read in the very next verses that there is a man who sells everything to buy a pearl of great price. And it's interesting because in 45, it talks about, well, uh, listen to this. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Right after 44, where a man goes into his uh, field, finds a treasure, uh, buries it, sells the field to get his treasure. That's Jesus buying the field. He became flesh and blood, took took flesh and blood like we have so he could buy us, and he purchased us in his death on the cross. Amen. The very next verse is 45 and 46. Again, says Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, that's not a picture of you and I buying Jesus. We can't purchase our salvation. That's a picture of Jesus buying us. And pearls were of incredible value in biblical times, as beautiful pearls of great price are valued today. Uh, in those days, you could get them only like in the Red Sea for the most part, usually, or in, from Great Britain in their, their oceans. And, uh, you know, jewelers would, would, would scour the lands and the, the countrysides to find pearls of great price because they're, they're incredibly beautiful. But what's incredible about a pearl is a pearl is the one precious stone that is made by something that's living. Amen? Isn't that interesting? An oyster. God used an oyster to make this beautiful pearl. He used a living thing. Otherwise, when you talk about diamonds and you talk about rubies, you talk about sapphires, you know, turquoise, whatever, just whatever kind of jewels uh, you think of, you know, they're made from diamonds. They're made from incredible pressure, you know. And guess what? If we're going to be diamonds instead of just plain ore, we have to have pressure in our lives, trials. So if you're saying, I don't feel like a, a pearl, I don't, well, guess what? A pearl didn't start out as a pearl. Back to how Ruth becomes a woman of excellence. And when I was seeking the Lord, I was thinking this through. I thought, Lord, this is just too beautiful. Because a pearl starts out as an irritating piece of sand or even a parasite that's entered into the shell of the oyster or the egg of a parasite, an alien invader. And guess what? That pearl begins as something very irritating and harmful and hurtful and painful to the oyster. It causes pain to the oyster. And the oyster, instead of expelling it, God's designed something wonderful to make a picture of what he wants to do in you. Because we have been a a humanity. Can you imagine? I mean, look at the news, right? All the bloodshed, all the, the theft, all the robbery, all the sexual perversion, all the, all the lies, all the fake news. All, it just drives you crazy if you just focus on that. Thank God we have Jesus. It just irritate you to no end. Humans are the mo- most radical irritants in the universe. Isn't that right? And we cause great pain to the Lord. Amen? What does the oyster do? It secretes an element called nacre, N-A-K-E-R, N-A-C-E-R. R-E, I think, actually. Uh, That's how you spell it. 
nacre, though it's pronounced nacre, and it's a element that comes from the oyster that it pours over, for instance, this grain of sand, this sharp, protruding, painful grain of sand. It begins to just secrete wave upon wave of nacre over this piece of sand. And this piece of sand becomes more and more, because these elements come from the oyster, it becomes more and more made up of the elements reflected in the elements that are in the oyster, more and more into its image. And it becomes softer, translucent on the outside, white, beautiful. White is a symbol of uh, uh, perfection and so forth. And it's amazing when you think about this. It really is. Because when Jesus died upon the cross, right, what happened? Remember the soldier who represented us humans? He shoved a lance into his side, right? And out came what? Water and blood. We have literally been a pain in God's side. Amen? And instead of condemning everybody, he came to save us. He prayed for that man prior to the man doing that. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen? And the water is a picture of the Spirit of God. The blood is what Jesus shed to pay for that man and all of our sins. Amen? So we can be clothed in robes of righteousness, white robes of righteousness, amen? Think about it. It's mind-blowing. So guess what? The Lord, instead of just saying, away from me, into hell forever. No, he came and became a man to buy the whole field, that whoever in that field would come to him could become part of the bride of Christ, amen? And we could be uh, through wave upon wave of the nacre or his love would flow out to us. Ultimately, through his shed blood, we could become white. As snow. Are you with me? Do not despise the day of small beginnings, the book of Job. Ruth did not, wasn't born out of the grave as a woman of excellence. In fact, Psalm 103, it says, he loves us with an everlasting love as high as the heavens are above the earth, right? It's his love for those who fear him. It goes on to say, he's mindful that our frames are weak, amen? And he knows that we're made of dust. He knows that. But he loved us and died for us to make us more than dust, to, to make us his treasure, to make us his pearls, amen? And if it could happen with Ruth, it could happen with any of us. And salvation begins as the Lord begins to draw us by his Holy Spirit, that pre-regenerating grace, amen? It begins there. It's not, we're not saved yet, but then we're justified. What does it mean to be justified? When we put faith in our Boaz, we put faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins, Right? We are justified. We're made right. It means to be made right with God, right? And then when we're made right with God, then we're born again because he can come into our hearts now and we're regenerated. So there's justification. Then there's regeneration. We're born again, amen? But it doesn't stop there. After we're, while we're regenerated, what does he continue to do? He continues to work in our lives and pour his grace upon us and make us into his pearls. So it goes from justification to regeneration. I know we've talked about this a number of times. From justification to regeneration to what? Sanctification, whereby he makes us more like who? Himself, amen? Just as the oyster continues to give nacre from itself, amen? To make that which is sharing the shell now and sharing its home compatible with it. He makes us more like himself because if two are not in agreement, how can they walk together? First, we have to be cleansed, we have to be forgiven, but then we're made more like Jesus and we become more and more men and women of excellence, amen? Are you with me? It's a process. And then when he's done, we have what we call glorification, okay? 
Re, uh, justification made right with God, regeneration being born again, new life in us, sanctification being made more and more like Jesus, and then glorification, when he comes, we are made like him. Amen? A glorious truth. In fact, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. And you are going to shine brighter than any pearl on earth. Well, isn't that just a metaphor? I'm like, no, you're way beyond a pearl. Because the reality is always greater than the picture. In fact, look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 43, right before he said that we're his treasure, right before he said that we're the pearl of great price. We read in chapter 13, verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You are a jewel beyond anything on this planet in the Lord's eyes if you are putting your trust in Jesus. Amen. And he's coming back for a glorious bride. We read in Ephesians 5.27 that he'll present to himself his bride, quote, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Wow amazing that she would be holy and blameless. We read in Revelation 21 of his bride, okay, and the new Jerusalem which we made up of his bride, the church, and all the people of God that belong to him, uh, Gentile and Jew that'll make up the church. We read, and I saw the holy city, new, uh, the, the, the bride of Christ ultimately, uh, the church and Israel at the end, redeemed Israel. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Come here and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, New Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, I'm sorry, coming down from heaven from God, having the glory, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a, a very costly stone. Keep in mind, if believers are gonna shine like the sun, because that's what Jesus looks like. When John saw him, his face shined like the sun. A new day fell before him. We're going to be made like him. And you have all these millions and millions of believers in New Jerusalem. And you have all these costly, all these stones, which are a picture of the believer. And you have translucent walls and, and, and foundations. It's all going to shine like this magnificent, huge jewel. I can't wait because we're at the end of Revelation 20. We're about ready to get in 21 and 22, which we're going to just study New Jerusalem. Hope you're excited about that goes on to say, having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. I saw no temple in it, for the, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun. Yeah, you can imagine why not, right? Uh, don't need the sun now, or the moon to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. See, the light that we shine with is a reflection of Who? The Father and the Son, amen? And we are his jewels and he makes us like himself. Are you with me? You cannot blow this story away. You can't get close to this story in Hollywood. You can't get close to this story anywhere. And this is a true story and you are the subject of God's affection. This is the most incredible love story, mind-blowing. You should stop in your track and say, wow, what an awesome God. And he paints this picture over and over and over and over again to let me see and understand how much he loves us. And I'm constantly praying, Lord, show my brothers and sisters, as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, the height, the depth, the width, and the length of God's love for us. Show us your love. Help me to show how greatly you love us because we love him because he first loved us. We, when we're forgiven much, we realize then we love much. And I want you to understand how much you're loved, how much you're forgiven. So we'll get off our rear ends and love him back. Amen. You are radically loved. Start being the person of excellence he redeemed you to be. Amen? 
And then when you start to read the Proverbs 31 woman, you'll be like, wow, that's heavy. By the way, Proverbs 31 woman, guess what? It's pretty heavy. The Proverbs 31 woman is this woman of excellence. It's actually an acronym from A to the Z, but not in our English alphabet, but in the Hebrew alphabet from beginning to end, all the different lines start with their, the Hebrew alphabet from the first to the 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that's because it reflects God's ideal of what he calls his people to be, his women to be there, okay? He's the Alpha and the Omega, and we are to reflect him. In Proverbs earlier, you see the wisdom of God is personified in a woman, a woman. She's personified as a woman. Wisdom is a woman. And then in Proverbs 31, you see wisdom acted out in the woman of excellence, amen? And that's what we pursue as we pursue Jesus. We pursue, we, we seek to be men and women of excellence, amen? Are you with me? I'm sorry. I can't just camp out on milk, guys. I can't give you John 3.16 year after year over and over and over again because then you already know it. You get bored to death because you'll be happy about that. Be like, yeah, Joe, we know John 3.16. We need to get off the milk or stay on some milk, but we need to also get on the meat, amen? We need to understand who God is and how deep he is and how much he loves us and quit just pursuing milk. But sometimes it's hard to understand the deeper things. Well, you'll never understand the deeper things. You'll never get beyond Two plus two is four if you don't start stretching yourself a little bit. And the more you stretch yourself, the more you appreciate not just math. We don't, thank God, it's not math here. You appreciate the wonders and the love and the beauty of our God, amen. And what's interesting about Nacre, N-A-C-R-E, is it's called the mother of pearl. Why is it called the mother of pearl? Because this Nacre is poured out and it makes the pearl, okay? And it's interesting Pearls, and I think this is interesting when I was studying pearls, they're iridescent when they're being made with this nacre. This iridescence is called pearlescence. Isn't that interesting? Pearlescence. That's used in manufacturing of giving cars really cool paint jobs because it tends to be iridescent. It, has, it produces different colors, kind of like bubbles, certain bird feathers. There's different colors as you turn it. And I think, isn't this amazing? Think about this. What's New Jerusalem like? All these different colors refracting, amen? Iridescent in many ways. And John's just, whoa, guess what? That's what the Lord is doing with the sand. He's making it iridescent. He's making it something beautiful. Pearl essence. I'm just blown away. I'm like studying this. I'm like, Lord, that's New Jerusalem. Just mind-blowing. I was just studying pearl essence. I'm like, this is mind-blowing. Bubbles, you know, when you see them, you know, or, or feathers, like you see the peacock's feather when it turns, you see different colors. New Jerusalem, that's the same thing that goes on with pearlescence because of the nacre. That's what happens with us as the Lord makes us brothers and sisters. He makes us people of excellence. Are you still with me? You are treasured. You are so loved by God. And he has this incredible plan, which goes beyond the poema that some people think of. We're not just some poem. We're his workmanship, amen? He's making us like the A to Z or the 22 letters of the alphabet. He's doing everything in us, amen? But you know what? You have to pursue Boaz, and you have to pursue Boaz. And the cool thing, I don't care what your background is, I love that he took Ruth because she is a Moabite. They were despised by the Jews. And guess what? He worked her into his genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus. Ruth, mind-blowing. In those days, a Moabite, a Gentile, a woman, a beggar, he treasured. He treasures you. Because if you choose him, he sees that you 
or a woman of excellence or a man of excellence. And he wants to continue the work that he began in you. Now, (sighs) by the way, you need to apply this to your lives and become more like Jesus. You need to make sure that when you're irritated with people, right? People are jabbing you in the side, right? That you don't respond and return evil for evil. It says Jesus was reviled, but he didn't revile back, and he's left us an example. And the Greek word for example in 1 Peter 2, when it says he was reviled, but he didn't revile back, it talks about how he went to the cross and died on the cross. It says he gave us an example. That, that Greek word literally speaks of tracing paper that, that they would use to trace something. You're supposed to trace Jesus. How did he respond? How did he make his bride more beautiful? Layer upon layer of nacre. Layer upon layer of love. Amen. So the people in your life that you find irritating. Right now you might find people a little more irritating than you thought they were because you're living with people a lot, long, lot more than you thought you would be. Be thankful because you're probably a little bit irritant too sometimes. And love them. And show them the love of Christ. Amen. And be what God has called you to be. And you know what? If you're a husband, you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Amen? Was his bride doing excellent when he was hanging on the cross? Nope. She was in rebellion to him. Right? Peter was denying him. You know, he had denied him. And the other disciples said, all of you will fall away. But he continued to hang in there for them. Amen? Husbands, you need to do that for your bride because that gives you the best opportunity to present her as a glorious bride to her, as you cover her with your nacre or your love or the love of God that God has given you, amen? And by the way, you don't just say, yeah, I chose God, I chose my Boaz, I chose Jesus, therefore I'm a person of excellence. No, you have to continue now to grow in sanctification and, be, and choose to grow and add excellence to your faith as you pursue Jesus and you become like him and you follow him, amen? You need to stay close to Jesus, in fact, listen to 2 Peter chapter 1. We had a whole study on this. It's so all I read the verses. I won't exegete them. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, look what it talks about you're supposed to add to your faith. For by these, verse 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We become partakers of his nature. We don't become God, but the Holy Spirit who is God, and the Father and the Son as well, all three persons come to live in us. Amen. And make us more like himself. Then it says this. Now for this very reason, also applying with all diligence. We need to be diligent about becoming people of excellence. Now for this reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. The first thing on it. You need to supply moral excellence and say, I'm going to be morally excellent. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow his example. I'm going to follow his, his perfect law of love. I'm going to follow what he teaches me in his word. I'm going to abide in Christ and his word is going to abide in me. I'm going to become more and more like him. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and your moral excellence, knowledge and your knowledge, self-control and your self-control, perseverance and your perseverance, godliness and your godliness, brotherly kindness and your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now we went through, we broke all those verses down. All the, every description, I had at least one message on. If you want to go back to that series, it, blew, it blessed a whole lot of people. I encourage you to check that out. But guess what? He makes us right and he justifies us where we shine before him because of his grace. And now we are covered with his nacre. We are made pearls. We're covered in robes of righteousness. Think about this. What did Boaz do? 
When she said this and he decided to become her kinsman redeemer, it says he covered her with his blanket. The Lord's covered us with his robes of righteousness. Amen? Because he is our Boaz. But now we must seek to pursue him to grow in our sanctification, to shine all the more. Listen to what it says when Jesus comes back for his bride in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. See, now you grow in your own practical righteousness by growing in moral excellence and growing in brotherly love and treating people with kindness and being a blessing to one another and, and taking God's word, like the things we're talking about now, and communicating this to your children, to other women, to men and women, because you see this applies to all of us, isn't it? I'm part of the bride of Christ as well, just as much as women are. We are all this bride of excellence. Now, <laughs> I love this because Boaz bought the field with money. Jesus, how, what did he buy the field with? And if you have a communion, if you've got, and I want to encourage you, if you don't, to go ahead and start getting the cup and the bread for next week because we want to keep to trying to do communion. I know we're at a distance and it could maybe seem a little awkward, but we want to remember what he did for us. What did he do to make us white as snow, like a pearl, this pearl of great price? He bought the field, but in Acts chapter 20, it says he paid for us with his own blood. Wow. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says he didn't redeem us with perishable things like silver and gold, but the precious blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen? We have this awesome Savior who paid his all to die for us. And I want to encourage you right now to be thankful because the way you can be a woman of excellence is by recognizing the one true God as your Lord and putting him first in your life and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ who descended from Boaz because Jesus bought the ultimate field, he paid for the entire world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life so that we could be clothed in his righteousness, so that we could be his pearl. And guess what? Now do you understand when we look at Proverbs 31, it's like, wow, that is so hard. It's, well, guess what? It starts, with, it starts with making, starts with his grace, his provision, and deciding to follow him, amen? Father God, we thank you for the bread which represents your son's body which was crushed on the cross for us as he became a man and he became our kinsman redeemer, partook of our flesh and our blood and he was numbered among the transgressors even though he's the spotless lamb of God. He took the penalty we deserved to pay for our sins so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Father, he came and fulfilled the requirements of the law, even as Boaz did before him to get Ruth, he followed the law perfectly to get us. And he paid the debt on the cross with his own blood, gave himself as the bread from heaven for us. We partake of the bread with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Mm, Father God, we love you. Father God, we thank you for the cup. Thank you for the cup which represents your son's blood. The highest price that could possibly be paid for anything was paid by your son because he loves us, he treasured us, and because he is love and he is good and because he desired to make us men and women of excellence in his kingdom, radiating his glory in New Jerusalem forever and ever. We partake of it with thanksgiving in Jesus' name.